Get into gate. This is episode 15, Korai. As we learned last week, there is no the in front of Korai. Uh, uh, AKA a few good Jafar. And wow. we are back, <laughs> and back with a bang, it seems. Uh, well done, Brendan, bringing the zigs. Let's introduce the whole team. My name is Mitch. We got, uh, with the funnies, Brendan. Hey, what's up? And uh, Matty. Yo. Uh, no Reese again this week. Uh, now, for anyone uh, new to the show, we are reliving Stargate SG-1, at least for the three of us. Reese, uh, although related to Brendan, a.k.a. his younger brother, never seen an episode, a second of the show, until, uh, what, about four months ago when we started yeah. doing this podcast? After ten years of ridicule, he finally... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we said, you know what, you watch it, we'll watch it with you, and we may as well you know, get in front of the, uh, the black stick and talk about it, and mm. uh, talk about that thought. Maybe went a bit harsh on him last week, you know. Uh, yeah, we, he, we, he we certainly felt the, that way. The hashtag Team Brendan, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. um, gave you a bit. So he's, I think he must have listened to us because he's not here again this week. <laughs> no. Talking about in front of a black stick, that's probably where he is. <laughs> <laughs> In a different room. See, this is why I'm. No. This, is, this is why I'm scared not to show up to an episode because I have no idea what you guys are going to say or where I actually am. He's actually watching a matinee of Matilda. Is he really? Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Just the matinee performance. Well. Couldn't afford the... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a 6pm one, obviously. <laughs> it's 10 to 5 <laughs> on a Wednesday. <laughs> well, uh, Yeah, apparently it's amazing, guys. When are we so. going to hear that review, Mitch? Is that going up on the Get Into Geek or... Oh, yeah, uh, Reese. Uh, just start putting down a few notes, mate. Um, you know what? We should text him now, get some video content, you know, just while, just live reactions. Maybe let's put it live on the Get Into Gate and Get Into Geek mm. Facebook page. Just a live reaction, just of Reese. Yeah. Just of the lights flashing just on his like, face. Just um, like Shia LaBeouf when he, sat, when he did that, yes. that yes. live stream of him yes. watching everything. I just want that of Reese watching the stage production of Matilda. <laughs> Do you think... Getting up and clapping at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we can really Shia LaBeouf it up and maybe call Tim Minchin and co and get them to do yes. Matilda backwards Ooh. and make Reese watch it that way? Cause... Look, if anyone can do it, it's Tim Minchin. Like, mm. The man's a phenom. <laughs> a what? Phenom. Yep. For... Oh. I thought Phenomenon. you said feature. Oh, right. I never, yeah, I never heard. <laughs> no, but I'm, 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 I love I'm, how I tried to dumb down the word and that made me have to explain it more. I don't know awesome. if you guys watched that, but I dug that as a kid. And Tim mentioned... Matilda. Yeah. The movie. The movie. With Danny DeVito. Yeah. Loved that movie. Yeah, I Rhea, still Rhea, love that movie. Rhea Perlman playing his wife, his real life wife, yeah. playing his, his movie wife. Brilliant. And Trunchbull um, in the play is actually played by a man. He's casting men in this. Yeah, right. Ah. What's his name? Oh, I'm getting to see it. Yeah, I mean, I know we're talking gate, but yeah, I, I actually would love to see that because I know we read those books you know, in primary school and stuff and the movie, awesome. Got the little chick from Mrs. Doubtfire and then great yeah. great supporting cast otherwise. Yeah. yeah, that movie still comes, I think, every Christmas. We'll probably see it in the next week or two. Yeah. It's a great do, film. Do you think it's a giveaway to anyone listening what we thought of this episode given the fact that we're talking about Matilda the Day production? <laughs> episode of what? That- oh, we're oh. Oh, stuck it. Oh, shit. Yeah, like, Cora. It's like we gave it to Reese about being there but then we're actually started talking about how we want Man, to I wish it. I was at Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> and God forbid anyone listening to this overseas, as I know we have a few numbers that do so, there is actually a stage play of Matilda doing the rounds in Australia, and it's currently in our hometown. So a yeah. um, little bit of backstory we probably should have filled you in mm. beforehand. Now, Karai, 
let's uh, let's get into this as I do each and every week. Um, do, do, should we do what we've been doing, or at least what we did last week with a little extra flavour of Walter? Yes, definitely. Oh, yeah. we'll keep keep it going. going. Okay, it makes it good. Okay, <laughs> O'Neill and his team travelled to Cartago. Well, Teal'c is recognised as once having been head Jafar to the sinister Gould Apophis. He's arrested for murder and put on trial for his life. Can Walter? Save him. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way Mitch reads those like oh, it's an old school so like good. radio play. Yeah, it's, I think it's brilliant. the only way to do it. Yeah, we need it like the we need like the piano in the background going. Yeah. Like I said, Robert C. Cooper probably writes those blurbs, so you have to. You know, it's hard to make good. But well, you nailed it. now speaking of writing, Thanks, the uh, the credited writer of this episode, Tom J. Assel. I don't care if I mispronounce your last name because you're a horrible human being. I believe it's pronounced. Asshole. Asshole. <laughs> Just to give you an idea, this this guy's other writing credits include uh, the Matthew Conaghy classic Failure to Launch, mm, and should have been the name of this, and episode. the Get and the Get Smart reboot. What the Steve Carell? Mm-hmm. I didn't mind. I didn't mind that actually. Yeah. Yeah. I like Steve. <laughs> oh, I like Steve Carell. Yeah, I like Steve Carell. No too. one else could have done it. Yeah, yeah. of course, you like Steve Carell. What's that? Can't hear you. I've turned your mic off. <laughs> I'm not turning back on. Um, yeah, no, I Fine. <laughs> well, don't yell, bro. The microphone's on. Uh, and Actually, also, I'm surprised that Maddie's dissing this episode because I wrote down here. I thought um, we already know what Maddie's going to say about this, and it's very Star Trekian in the way it's been written. Well, it's funny you mention that because I actually grabbed a bit of audio from this episode and then I grabbed a partnered piece of audio from Star Trek because, yeah, it was... Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little Star trek in the way it was trying to um, bring up... A, a, we all sort of take for granted our justice system, that it's you know it's an impartial judge and all that sort of gear. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best thing about this episode that I like. Yeah, but... Daniel's I, take on it. But and... I feel like they really, really fell flat. Only because I've seen episodes of Star Trek that have have covered it so much better. So have a listen to this. This is just the first part of, you know, they they go to the... I mean, we're jumping all over this, but, you know, obviously, you've seen the episode. They go to the Korai. They're about to, you know, um, put Tilk on trial. And this is SG-1 sort of learning how their legal process works. I will now lead the Korai. Objection! (laughs) (laughs) Just taking all the drama out of it. (laughs) That's something we say back on Earth when... Never mind. <laughs> you can't be the judge. That's not fair. Judge? Yeah, the guy who controls proceedings, decides what happens here. Why is it not fair? Because you're the son of the victim. Yes. Well, the judge has to be impartial. What does that mean? Uh, impartiality would require <laughs> someone who hasn't already formed an opinion about Tilk's guilt or innocence. How could there be such a person? Anyone who has a mind has an opinion. Oh, zing. <laughs> Your honors. That's a good line. Yeah. I respectfully request that someone else be in control of this. What is it? Karai. Karai. Only the person who has suffered understands the pain which has been inflicted. Who else can fairly say what the punishment must be? Well, you could, for one. Continue. Idea. Unbelievable. It's actually rather Talmudic. Only he who was wrong can forgive. Well, you can. <laughs> <laughs> so they touch on it there, but after that, it kind of just falls by the wayside. Like, and then it becomes more about a Tilk story, and you know, should he come forward? Should he admit to it? And then, we, and then there's the, you know, Daniel then finds out, you know, finds out more, and then goes, well, Tilk was actually doing the right thing. Blah 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 blah. 
there's an episode of Star Trek Voyager, <laughs> <laughs> which we all know is my favorite Star Trek. Um, Mitch, if you can play this for me, this is uh, a very similar thing talking about ethical law, but I feel like this just hits it so much more succinctly and in a way that we can relate to. I noticed some people convicted of murder, even terrible premeditated murders, weren't executed. Some weren't punished at all, but you were sentenced to death. That's what the family wants. The family? After you're convicted, the family of the victim sentences you. Well, shouldn't you be sentenced by someone less partial, like a judge? Ectovalic Gavadam. It's ancient Nigerian. It means favor the victims. What if I stole your game board? What right would a judge have to assign value to your loss? To him, it's just a game board. But to you, it might be a priceless family possession. And what if I murdered your child? I think I get your point. Pectovalic Gavadam. What about the criminals that didn't serve any sentence at all? Some people prefer restitution to revenge. If a defendant is wealthy enough, he can negotiate a settlement with the victim's family. Oh, that doesn't seem fair. It's perfectly fair. Unless you're destitute. So to me, that kind of just hits it on the head more precisely, cleanly, in a better way to interpret it, and sort of then just leaves you to make your own decision about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just... Different concepts too, I suppose. Well, no. Sort of. It's, you know, Hanno, you know, um, you know, being the judge on this case of, of his yeah, father who true. was killed by Teal'c. It's it's the similar sort of thing is, is there, they have this in practice. But I just, I feel like this was three different episodes that they could have taken individual elements of and, and made into different episodes. And But having said that, God, this dragged on. This yeah. just, This episode just... Feels like it was an hour and a half. I remember enjoy- really enjoying it the first time. I think the second or third time it was probably was the third time watching it to be honest <laughs> just now. But yeah, I was kind of emotional with Tilk. I'm like, yeah, nah, fair enough. When he, especially when he says this, this um, one represents the many, mm. and he mm. was quite emotional. I think this is kind of a touchstone for Tilk's character, or more so for Christopher Judge's acting, because yeah. you actually see him get well, pretty emotional. And that was one of the things that annoyed me the most is that, like, right at that very, very last scene, Christopher Judge is crying, like mm. Tilk is crying. Yeah, but they kind of shoot around it, like they don't get up in his face about it, like. The first time I watched this episode, you don't even—I didn't even notice that he was crying, like he was welling up. But if you actually look on, like on a big screen TV, you can well, does, see the tears. He cries like, earlier, streaming down his cheeks. I, I know the moment. I think the moment you're talking about, Brendan, when uh, it, it, again down in the in the lockup, one of the many times we go down there, mm. and he says, "No, you know, don't break me out or whatever," and his lips quivering, like he just yeah. sort of. T- and it's not even like he was doing it because anyone was looking at him. Like it was—it was a nice touch. You could tell that the character was just upset. Like, yeah. and it, it's all coming back. It's all flowing on him. The, the, the guilt of everything, you know, now the guilt has a face sort of thing and his lips quivering. And then he bang, done what every actor wants to do. Single tear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you've done it like Chris judge. You know, again, yeah. like, you know, you in, in this sort of show and this sort of character, I'm sure a lot of hate or, you know, judgment could be thrown his way about his acting, but you know, Cometh the hour, cometh the man. Mm. And I thought he really did very well in this episode. Oh yeah. I just feel like they kind of, were too scared to go there with him. I feel mm. like, to me, it felt like they were cutting around and it was edited sort of in a way that they were trying to play that off and not make it such the big deal that it was, that this mm. big, you know, warrior that, you know, is supposed yeah. to be the, the muscle on the team. 
He's suddenly the really emotional one. The annoying thing about it for me is like when Daniel was talking about how he Tilk took his wife as as a as a host basically, and he's saying to the audience, "No, that was a different Tilk. He's a different man." I'm like, "Well, you, I don't see how that's possible." Fair enough, you can say I've forgiven him because he's changed sides, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think you can say it was a different man. He definitely did it. He may not have thought it was the right thing, but he still did it. The fact is, you now work side by side with a man responsible for your wife's fate. It was difficult for me at first. I wanted to hate him. But now I know that it was a different Tilk that chose Charest. And I know that if there were any way for him to help me get my wife back, this Tilk would do it gladly. I did like that we heard that from Daniel, because it is the first time, really, that he's spoken about that, certainly in front of Tilk. That he oh, said, yeah. you're the guy that started all this for me, really. Yeah, and, and we spoke about that a few weeks ago in, in the fact that Tilk was the one that... that he was sh- in the gate room. Mm. And gra- was Tilk was in the gate room in the pilot too, grabbing yeah. SGC chick. Yeah, grabbed the SGC. But yeah, Tilk was the one who sort of selected Sharae um, for the choosing yeah. and was sort of responsible for it. And so, mm. yeah, this is kind of the first time that Daniel's kind of acknowledged that. Yeah. And I feel like that could have been its own episode, just really yeah. early yeah. on is... I guess they wanted, obviously, and it's uh, Star Trek has been a victim of that as well, is, is there's these potential sort of tensions you could have really early on. But the shows like these really want to establish the status quo really quickly. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, they kind of glossed over that so they that we could have to... the four of the team unified yeah. together yeah. going on missions, which don't is what the show is. That yeah. early. Oh, yeah, and, and it's such a mistake. And that's what we're obviously saying is that that makes watching their dynamics so much more interesting when you know that... They haven't resolved that yet. Yeah. yeah. There's a They've giant elephant that. in the room. Oh, my for God. Yeah. Almost six months. Yeah. yeah. And then, obviously, given now, Brennan will know what I'm talking about. Mitch, maybe not, and Reese, definitely not. <laughs> uh, and then also, what happens in, I think, season three um, with sort of that storyline is another big part of that. Um, and it's almost like this story coming full circle. Mm. Um, yeah. So oh, I kind of yeah, wish yeah. Uh, forever in a day yep. is all I'll say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of wish there'd been something there. I think it was an yeah, like you said, you want them, you want the team to be united. You can't have them. Yeah, it's the nature of this kind of show of yeah. the um, you know, standalone episodes, syndication. You just want to have, you know, you don't want to get into those histrionics too much. Yeah, mm. you just want to have those interesting. You just want a cool, episodes. sweet team called <laughs> SG One going through the Stargate, <laughs> kicking butt, taking names. That's what well, we I want. mean, when you've got Jack, he can just <laughs> you know, no, ma- shit. no matter you know how serious the situation, Jack can just make it fun. That's interesting. I wonder if everyone's coming from some religious event. Why does it always have to be a religious thing with you? <laughs> Maybe they're coming from a swap meet. <laughs> see and and i i feel like i definitely like this episode more than you guys and and you say how long it felt testament against that for me at least i watched this last night very very late when i put this on so unlike you mitchell yes thank you and i managed to not fall asleep which is also so unlike me but what Um, else were you doing at the time because we always know it's 80 20 with you so what was the so is that why you we didn't record yesterday And, uh, you know, nothing else. Strangely, I actually thought about taking the DVD into another room so that I could, you know, do stuff and rearrange the room or something. It would have been doodling or something. Uh, Wait, hold on. Now, I got some shit thrown at me last week for some of the phrases that I said. You've just said you would have taken the DVD into another room and do stuff. (laughs) And you said doodling and no one said squat. I said go in there and rearrange some things. You You before you said go in the other room and (laughs) do other stuff. Who rearranges their dick? 
This is a this is a biased room, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it, it didn't feel that much of a drag for me. But either way, it definitely started off uh, on a high for me because one problem I've had with Teal'c, maybe not the last two weeks, but certainly probably, I guess, the four or five leading up to that, was the fact that he had a secret of some description that he'd clearly been hiding for a long while and only decided to tell everybody maybe 10 minutes after it was, you know, too late sort of thing. Yeah. And this episode, they pop out of the gate. They're right there in the middle. I mean, I, I get that they say that, that the communities and the, and the civilizations tend to treat the Stargate as some kind of, you know, religious artifact or, or something to be praised or even feared. But either way, they tend to have their colonies around it or near it. This thing literally... Like there were people's beds about eight feet away yeah, from this. They thing. had they had like you know baskets of of fruit and <laughs> yeah. vegetables literally touching the pedestal the gate is on. Yeah. But the whole premise of this is when the gate activates, is they run and hide in their tunnels. Yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, okay, we didn't know that at that point. But so as it starts, they walk out and they're looking around, going, oh, "I wonder where everyone is." And Teal goes, "I've been here before." Like mm. he told them the truth straight away. Didn't go out and mm. say, "Okay, this is everything that happened." But it was like, "Look, I've." I've been here before. Oh, really? What's you can going on? Forget, was... Forgive him for not remembering. Cause oh, absolutely. Not a, it's, nothing stands out as yeah. like, wow, this place again. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, in, <laughs> certainly from what we've in seen. In the world, there would have been a briefing prior to go to on the mission. He would have seen the symbols. Yeah. And he, we've seen in the past, he goes, I recognize these symbols. So he's clearly not even recognized the symbols of this planet. Yeah. It's just been sort of a nothing planet. And it's not until he's actually, you know, stepped through the gate that he's gone, oh, yeah, I've been here before. And yeah. it's interesting, yeah, when they come out there because he goes, yeah, the Gould visit regularly here. It's one of their favourite places to harvest hosts. I'm like, really? Oh. Yeah, can I? Why? Okay. That's that's where Daniel goes, well, they're human beings, not Brussels sprouts. <laughs> like, oh. See, <laughs> I missed that. I, I Now that you say that, I remember that line of dialogue. But I had a big problem with this episode come the end of it because I'd forgotten about that because I thought, wow, and... In the vastness of the galaxy, yeah. the Gould still managed to show up within days of our team <laughs> yeah. to not so much save the day, but indirectly give, you know, Tilk uh, the means to show that he's a hero and a changed man. But that line actually does save it for me. Well, so I'm no, glad see, you yeah. brought that up. That it's line, still a bit of a coincidence. Oh, that line pokes holes in it for me because it's like we've known from the pilot that. They want to pick the most attractive hosts in the universe. Well, well I mean, we're, we're all fugly. Travel to this planet. Would, would you, if you're a symbiote, would you want Hanno as your host? Yeah, or the the one of the priestesses, like freaking yeah. rat girl. Although, <laughs> although, um, pull up this picture so you guys can have a look. We'll chuck it on our Instagram as well. Hanno's little offsider looks like the actor Jamie Bell, so he's probably the most attractive planet person on this planet. But take a look okay. at him. Is that not Jamie Bell, who you know you've seen from like Jumper? Um, he was in Billy Elliot. He was the thing and yeah. fan four stick, as you like to call it, Matty. <laughs> well, you don't really get to see much in that. Yeah, it's because it looks like Jamie Bell. He's a, he's just an extra background guy. But to me, I was like, is that Jamie? No, it's not Jamie Bell. Oh wow! You know what? Now that I look at it again, yeah, yeah, he does. I actually found myself focusing on the way that that guy said his words. I'm like, this is his big break. <laughs> yeah, almost like he said nothing his entire acting career. And this oh, is his you know who chance. reminds me of the gay guy out of Wedding Wedding Crashes. That face that he's pulling. Yeah, he does look like that guy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm you gonna not to pretend about? I know who you're talking about. The brother. Have you seen Wedding Crashes? Oh, not in five years. Oh, okay. The gay brother who's in love with Vince Vaughn's character. Addict willing guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's no, fine. <laughs> it's only the greatest comedy of all time. <laughs> oh, easy fella. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> Making a sequel, so they say. Yeah. Yeah. 
probably without Rachel McAdams because no one knows how to use yeah. Rachel McAdams properly. <laughs> We've established that on this show and every show. She's actually narrating a documentary or something. I saw. I'm like, Vince what a Vaughan. waste. No, <laughs> Rachel McAdams. I was going to say I said she. <laughs> oh, sorry, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great, Vince Vaughn narrating a documentary. He just goes off on uh, f-ing uh, tangents. Uh, uh, <laughs> That'd be so good. Oh, oh, where are they, where are they going? Where are they going? <laughs> yeah. There's the beaver, and he's just oh man, I remember the one time I had a beaver and just go off on a weird tangent. That'd be so good. Wow. <laughs> Handbrake Gibson strikes just, again. No, he's just eating while he's talking. Well, we've got a cupcake now. <laughs> I um I do have one note written here, and I started writing. Oh, I started writing. Oh, it's good to see Shackle again. Oh wait, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good call. Now that's the first time they say first prime. I think. Yeah, I thought I, th- really. I thought that too. Yeah, which oh, no. I wish Lincoln was here because this Sorry. proves I was right. The Knox, he had those three Jafar, and they were all trying to be first primes. Shackle was the only one that survived. Shackle's now first prime. Mic drop. Yeah, but I still think that was a bad directing in, in the Knox. Yeah, I just wanted to prove Lincoln right, but he's not here. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> I like that. Now. I like how they come up with new names for the Stargates. I think they, like, Annulus sticks out for some reason, I think, in season six or something, or seven or something like that. But it, this in this world, they've called it the Circa Kona, which is directly translated means Circle of Woes, according to Daniel Jackson. Yeah, that's right. I just like how they come up with new ones. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it kind of, it's, it's, it's funny because it's, to me, that makes more sense than, say, for example, in, in Brief Candle, where they're translating ancient Sumerian or whatever, and it turns out that that's Gould as well, even though ancient Egyptian is also is also Gould. So I like the way mm. that this is a different language. These obviously aren't, you know, it, it, don't these guys don't worship an Egyptian god. So yeah, that they it's not called a um, Chapa I, it's the yeah. Circa Kona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I think they call in another episode Circle of Darkness and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Mm. It's cool. I like too that. And maybe they've pushed it too far in a way. I don't know. I was interested to see what you guys, um, what you guys think. But had a further Tilk's backstory to say that look, he's been battling with, you know, he's in demons about what he does, not just for the last couple of years until SG One got there. For like mm. clearly twenty, if this guy ages and you know the years run the same way, blah blah blah, as regular humans, um, for like what twenty or thirty years, he's been at least doubting. The, the, yeah. the instruction of Apophis, yeah. you know, and, and wrestling with, oh, okay, maybe if I do this, I'm doing it the best way possible, as we learn come the end of this episode. In the long run, it's not a good thing, but in the in the immediacy, it's sort of the best possible outcome for this situation or whatever. And, and then, you know, come time that SG-1 meet him in the, in the pilot episode, he was like, okay, finally, I've got someone who I think, as he said, many have said what you said before, mm. you're the first one that I believe that can actually do it. So... Do you think it's it's too long that he's conveniently just been, you know, what he was, as far as we learn in this story, 30 years ago to, you know, an hour before he meets SG-1, he's been pretty much in the same inner battle? Or that's interesting. That I didn't, right? I never really thought about that, how long that had been. Like, it's obvious now that you say it, that, that kid, he was a kid when he, he went there and he was the first prime of Apophis, and then now... I never really thought about it. It probably was at least 15, 20 years right, yeah. since he'd mm. been there, but he still remembers it probably mm. from killing his old man. Yeah. But yeah, that'd be horrible. And then that's only one instance. So he would be 
And like he said too, it was he sort of had a real dark tease where he said, you know, I've done this, I've done this, I've done far worse things. Like shit, yeah. man, have you like mm. have you thrown children into a hut and lit it on fire and <laughs> yeah. shit? Like, what have you no done? Doubt. Like obviously a point blank shot, you know, killing a cripple sort of thing, like it's bad, but really like <laughs> on the scale, yeah. No, but like we see people Them get worse. shot with a uh, <laughs> yeah. with a um staff weapon all the time like we see that happen all the time when he goes no no yeah. i've done far worse stuff and just murder people point blank no doubt there's like a fan film out there somewhere where it's um it's the scene from um uh star wars where anakin goes back to the um the sand people and just massacres the entire village yeah but it's tilk with a staff weapon <laughs> yeah <laughs> which mind you could have been the best scene ever but they just decided to cut it yeah. after it killed two people yeah and that's what I mean this this Come episode <laughs> was a interesting premise in that I think it had to exist they obviously they had to arrive on a planet somewhere where someone recognised Tilk from all the horrible things he's done mm. even though you know most of the time we and see him in the past it never happens again he just happens to <laughs> he just it happens to be one of the one of the planets where he opens up his little serpent heads you know? yeah um, so they can recognise him. So he can really take aim at that cripple. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's it's a story that had to be told. I just think it was it was done poorly, and yep. it could have been could have no, been so, even even I think uh, what is it season three or season four? Double Jeopardy, I think touches on Teal'c's past in a better way than this one does. Mm. One thing I did really like because when I I think about this show, it's you know an American team made up of American military personnel, for the most part. They go to foreign lands, sure, foreign worlds, and they basically change them so that they live by the American ideologies, whether it be the way that you treat this women needs or freedom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how I like to look at the show. It's, okay, it's it's again, it's it's family friendly, a syndication sort of show. So they never go too far with it all, but they just sort of yeah, fix little problems wherever they yeah. tend to go, while trying to live in the means of the boundaries of the civilization, whatever. But still, that's how I sort of look at this show in a little fun light. And then Hammond at one stage when O'Neill was there pleading with him, we've got to go back there and take everything we've got and just throw firepower at them without using it until they go, yep, yeah, okay, we'll give you Tilk back. We need to bomb some liberty into these people. <laughs> into these poor peasants who live in caves. We need to... Oh, God, wow. Hey. How fitting. Oh, Jesus. Whoa, I did not mean that. <laughs> and then he drops, the, he drops this magic line, which I just could not help but just piss myself at. Colonel, the United States is not in the business of interfering in other people's affairs. <laughs> That's good. Since when, sir? Since this administration was elected. Since, yeah, Convenient. Last year. I yeah. was really tempted to put a burn on the yeah. end of that one as well. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the start of a great little um Since little the start of this them. administration. Well, like, <laughs> oh, no, since 1974, no. It was like, <laughs> literally, could have been six months ago. Oh, jeez. I just thought that was so... Because I, I started writing down the note. Yeah. That. And he says, oh, we don't interfere. And I'm like, mm-hmm, quote, okay. the US does not interfere. And then we go, since when, sir? And I'm like, oh, maybe I don't have to write it down. Because <laughs> at least the show has acknowledged yeah. that it's full of shit. You know, like, yeah. please, please. But that led to, I guess, the end of that scene was really good. Like They were tearing it at each other. Yeah, they really got, got fired up. Yeah, like O'Neill's always stood up to him, but it's taken like two or three sort of rebuttal replies from Hammond before O'Neill's like, okay, you're the authority. I'll do what you want. I don't like it. And this one, he's like, no, no, no. One of my good mates' lives is on the line. F*** your orders. Yeah. F*** the way that you think. We're, we're going back to get him. 
and I will take everything I've got with or without you sort of thing. And then Hammond, Hammond really had to put his foot down, but that was the biggest fight between the two of them we've ever seen. I really like Yeah, it. I think that's the most fired up I've seen Hammond get. And then, you know, they do go back and obviously everything has changed. You know, there's like this smoke, there's fire, like obviously they're under attack. And at this stage, the audience, we don't know that the, the, the ghoul are there. We just think Teal's just gone on a rampage and escaped. <laughs> and he's really changed just his, gone I- his ideas. Just full Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> and they go down to the, um, to the, to the cell and they're like, oh, I wonder, wonder what happened. And Teal's gone. And then Carter reckons she knows what's happened. Maybe Daniel broke him Keep those positive thoughts coming, Captain. <laughs> That's where you should put a burn. Yeah. He's like, look, I love Daniel as much as the next bloke, but he's not doing this. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, Daniel's on the quick. He's got on his sidearm. He's <laughs> yeah. I love it. He's still good. He's not making Molotov cocktails from their their wine barrels. Yeah. Out I do like it when they come back up the stairs. I think, and then they see the Jafar, or it might have been before. I can't remember. But O'Neill is close quarters with one of the Jafar after he cracks him over the head or something. I can't remember. And you don't see it, but you hear the sound effect of him stabbing him. Mm. And they did not show the knife. They did not show, obviously, the the wound or blood or anything, but just the sound effect. And I was like, that's... I never really noticed how... Like, he just died. He just murdered him. <laughs> yeah. With the... <laughs> With the It'd be interesting knife. to do like every episode for us to just do a body count and just see how yeah. many people are actually killed yeah. well, in every episode. Let's do that. Let's yeah. actually do that from now on. That would be interesting. It's not, it's not a problem, especially when they have the um, machine guns just shooting ting, 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 ting. Yeah. Like, and she's like, yeah, I've seen hundreds of them. But then when you're like, ooh, there's a knife there. Yeah. I don't know why. It just made we, it real um, for me at that moment. Speaking of the Jafar, we spoke about it last week and, and how the Jafar are slightly becoming a little stormtrooper in that they used to be really menacing and now they're kind of just dumb. To me, this is the <laughs> episode that, that really cemented it. I think it might have been in, in the flashbacks is, you know, they're about to... Uh, Tilk's about to execute Hanno's father and the Jafar are there like pushing all the crowds back <laughs> and just trying to couldn't... The crowds are pushing against the Jafar. It's like the whole point of the Jafar is they're supposed yeah. to be feared. They're not crowd control. <laughs> yeah, and they're kind of... <laughs> They're kind of just, you know, four ninety nine a minute security, you know, yeah. out the front of a club holding these crowds back and then little child Hanno sort of runs out in between them and I'm just like, it just makes the Jafar look really dumb and not, not as imposing and, and scary as they as they have been in the past. Yeah. So the fact that these these crowds would actually push against the Jafar with a giant metal serpent head yeah. trying to get past him to save an old man with a crutch. Yeah. I was just See like, when you teased that last week and I went into watching this episode looking for what you might have meant and, and Obviously, the, the classic, you know, thing we throw at a stormtrooper is that they can't hit anything when they fire. And so that was the first thing I noticed was when O'Neill goes up and he stabs that guy, but then he draws everyone's attention. And then Hanno, and he takes a little crew to sort of draw the Jafar's attention away so that the women and children can get into their caves or whatever. And they shoot one guy, but they're about six meters away. Yeah. There's four or five of them firing their staff weapons, like huge blasts at not a great group of guys that are conveniently all huddled. And they only hit one of them in the back when he's like as far away as he can possibly get before he's out of the colony. I'm like, guys, like work mm. on the aim. Like <laughs> maybe clearly these all, guys, <laughs> maybe they're all on the Jafar, you know, Freedom Act, and they're just like, oh, I missed him. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe they do feel bad about Whoops. it. They're not really Nazis. <laughs> Speaking of Hanno, I, I like how you guys remember his name because he's such a forgettable character. Oh, oh, I really didn't. Until... It's only because it's written down on my piece of paper. <laughs> you said him about four times reason. in this so far in this podcast and I'm like, I hope he explains who this Hanno is. Before the end of it. <laughs> but I just kept nodding and smiling yeah. like, yeah, that guy. But 
I think I feel the actor is in another episode of SG One or at least Atlantis, and I have no I information know. to back that up. Uh, feel for time. I'll look. Talk about. I've got a little note here. If you want to talk about it while I'm doing this, um, yep. the convenience of um, wrapping Tilk's uh, waist in bandages, even though he's not hurt, yes. to cover up his pouch, so they didn't have to <laughs> apply prosthetics. Yeah, that's really good. They do that. They do that a few times, don't they? Well, usually when he's hurt, but for this one, it's actually just. He's not hurt at all. Yeah. It's just they take a shirt off and he's pre-wrapped. It's it's like it's like <laughs> his manzia, but it's his. <laughs> he's just keeping his serpent yeah. in the belly. This is also his, part of the Karai ritual. We always wrap somebody up by the <laughs> abdominals. Um, to shoot right to the end of the episode, though, while you do uh, find that, Maddie, what I did really like because we saw obviously O'Neill and Hammond go against each other because O'Neill just wanted to go back and rescue his friend right at the start. Jack and Daniel really going at each other because he's like, we've got to break him out. And, and Daniel, even though one of his best friends, his teammates, is facing the death penalty, he's like, we've got to respect their cultures, Jack. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. we, 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 let's just see what happens. Let's just stay here and watch it. He's like, yeah, we, we're going to watch this. They've already found him guilty before the trial, yeah. which will just find him more guilty so that they can kill him. He's like, yeah, well... That's what that's what's gonna happen, you know. So he was fighting he was this confident. battle the whole time. Yeah, yeah, so confident. And then come the end of the episode, all is well. Um, Hanno says, "Look, yep, you, you're clearly the changed man." Blah blah blah. O'Neill just comes up to Tilk, hand on his shoulder to sort of say, "Look, they, they well, not even say anything." That, that's my point. If they didn't say anything to each other, they both knew why the other person was doing what they were doing the entire episode. O'Neill mm. completely understood why Tilk felt guilty and why he felt like the need to pay for his crimes. And then at the same time, Teal'c would have understood that O'Neill, he's a good mate. He's trying to do everything he can to rescue yeah. this bloke. So that while they fought, they kind of understood each other and they didn't need any words to resolve that because there was nothing really to resolve. They weren't truly fighting one another. They just had disagreements. But hand on the shoulder, both looking into each other's eyes sort of thing. Maybe cue the Brokeback music from last week, <laughs> sure. But I just really liked that they didn't over-explain it. It was just a little tap on the shoulder. Go to black. Oh, that's funny. I never really got that read because I guess if you think about it, yeah, um, Jack would have had it. He potentially Jack could be in that same situation if they went to somewhere where Jack did a, like a black ops mission somewhere in the mid east or something like yeah. that. Theoretically, that could happen to him. I did find that actor who played Hanno. Yeah. Um, he yeah he is in another episode of SG One in season three. He's in the episode titled Demons. Yes, that's the one I said. Uh, Circle of Darkness. So there you go. Oh really? Yeah. Well done. Oh, there you go. It's all coming back to me. See, I hate when they, you know, get. And I know this this show and this whole franchise, rather, once they expand to Atlantis and Universe, eventually that they do repeat actors. Like me, just being like the oh. the, the continuity sort of nerd that I am. Like I hate when they bring in an actor to play a different character, but yeah. to do it like only two seasons apart and seems then a little bit the weird. The thing that it was the most annoying one out of all of the Stargate Universe was Nareem, who I think we see him in the next few episodes. Uh, he's part of the Tolan. Yeah. And he's in there, you know, every, uh, like at least one's a, one episode per season almost, it feels like. And then he's in the pilot of Stargate Atlantis as a human from yeah. Earth. Yeah. like we like, Oh, yeah. No, we didn't f***ing watch SG-1 at all. Thanks, Atlantis, you <laughs> a-holes. All right. Well, before we go, because this is just going to annoy me, can I just, just rapid fire all my nitpicks about this episode just so I can get them out and, and detox? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Here we go. <clears throat> Slow, bo- this is. I'm just reading off my notes as I was as I was watching the episode. Slow, boring, scattered plot. Tilk's remorse scene was good. <laughs> if they want to hide, why the hell is the camp on top of the Stargate? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The only building in the camp is the courthouse. 
Um, sling, <laughs> slingshot class slash crossbows at point blank range are pointless. Um, serpent guard look dumb. Um, boy with knife turn? Question mark. Right at the end, they give that kid the knife. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he's going to do goes, something bad, and then out of nowhere, he turns and and cuts Teal's rope. Yeah, because no, yeah, well, even because he's Hanno, oh, yeah, whatever his name t- says, he goes, "I still want whoever's left. I still want Teal to die. Let yeah. them f-ing know." I'm like, dude, he's twelve. <laughs> you can't put that on him. And was that even his child? Like, or did he just find some no, random kid? That was, <laughs> was like random. a town's kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, his, that, was, that was the next door neighbor kid. Yeah. If I die, make sure he's dead too. Mm. Wow. Okay. okay. Holds the knife, and then he changes he his mind at the last minute, and yeah. with no motivation. Uh, yeah. Like kid doesn't even have a line, and not even a, like a <laughs> knowing look. He just goes, "Oh, here, here, knife, go, yeah." yeah. Good choice. Oh yeah, it <laughs> worked out well. Worked <laughs> wonderful. All right. Well, I think I think I've detoxed. I think I've got it. I've got it all out. I've, I've purged. <laughs> And now I'm ready for uh, next week. Oh, next week. What have we got? Enigma. Yeah. Okay. Edward Enigma. I forgot how good <laughs> next week's episode ends. Reese better be here for next week. I forgot everything about it. So, Reese, <laughs> you and I, let's do this together, brother. Let's watch it like it's the first time because, I mean, for you it is, and for me it may as well be. So, Enigma. Uh, just looking at Catherine Powers writes this oh. one, boys. Woo! Never up to Cooper. It's back to that saucy lady that we like from season one. Um, all right. So let's, uh, I hope she never listens to oh this. God. <laughs> we, we love you, Catherine. We do love you. We're just happy with the glossy photo that you did. I don't know why that's if on you, your If, if you don't know what we're reason, talking about, the it's re- the one hanging up over your fireplace. <laughs> and the reason Reese is in here is he's at home with a, with a big blow up of, of that photo just on his ceiling. Can we, Reese, you're not listening because you're not on this one. Why would you care? At the end of the season, to sort of really welcome Reese into the wonderful world of SG1, can we make up like a poster size picture of that? <laughs> yeah. can, can I nominate not to take that to the printing shop? <laughs> shop to Officeworks. Uh, it's for my mum's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> this is what she looked like back in the seventies. <laughs> What's your biggest? Oh, c- can you go bigger? <laughs> yeah. No, no, bigger. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Enigma. We will be back, uh, boys. Where can we find you uh, socially, Brendan? At the Brendan Gibson. Boom, Maddie. I pitch Maddie. Myself at Mitch underscore Lewis. Twitter and Instagram for everything. Get into Gates. You can find us on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram simply at get into uh, gate and we will have some of those photos up of the mysterious possible Jamie Bell as you said <laughs> uh, on our Instagram page if you haven't already seen it if you want to get in touch send us an email maybe get into gate at gmail.com and get into gate is part of the larger world of get into geek we are talking uh, everything on TV and at the movies reviews news all that sort of gear uh, right now you can check out a review of the much-anticipated, except if you're Maddie, who wasn't really excited, Star Wars Rogue One. Of course, that's not the official title, but you know what I'm talking about. That's at getintogeek.com, as is everything we do in the room. We will be back to talk more Stargate SG-1 next week. Enigma. Get into geek.com.